Good morning. Welcome to worship. Good to see everyone this day. And I hope you've had a good day already being together in the house of the Lord. If you grab your bulletins, a few announcements as we get started. Um, as always, there's a tear-off portion. If you're a guest, please fill out this blue section. Put in the offering plate as it goes by. And anything you'd like to know about Mechanicsville Baptist, we'd love to follow up with you about that. And then on the other side, it says decision information on the bottom as a place for prayer requests. Just put a, anything you'd like us to pray for at the bottom there. We'll pray for you on Tuesdays in our staff time. On the back are opportunities for the week. Make mention of a few things. And then we've got a couple other people giving announcements, so uh, give you some time. You're going to take a long time, aren't you, Robbie? <laughs> um, today, we do have our encounter service right here at 5 o'clock. And then 6 o'clock, uh, youth ensemble choir handbell 715. And then Monday... Uh, we do have 6.30, a Nickelville mission trip meeting information, uh, not, a team meeting, I guess it would be. Okay. John Bryant Room, 6.30, Monday night, and then basketball at 7. And then Wednesday, midweek Bible study at 11. And then Wednesday night, really wanted to encourage everyone to be a part of this is our trunk or treat. I'm calling it Chuck Taylor's trunk or treat. That's should put it on the sign. Where's Ward at? Let's put that on the sign, see what the community says. Chuck Taylor's Trunk or Treat. That would make no sense. But 6 o'clock, we're going to have our Trunk or Treat right here. And it's a wonderful outreach to our community and for the children. I was in with the Awana kids Wednesday, and they were all a little bit upset with me. They were like, you're ruining Halloween. This is kind of what they were saying to me. They're like, you're taking it away. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, it's, we want candy. This is, this is what they're, they're, and I was like, okay, well, that we have. So the idea is you bring your cars, we line up, just park normally so your trunks kind of face the middle, and then you decorate the trunks if you'd like and have lots of candy in there, and they go car to car filling up their bags. So the big thing that I take away from the Iwana kids is if we don't have a lot of cars there and we don't have a lot of candy, they're going to be wanting my head on a platter. So... We want lots of cars, lots of candy, and lots of fun. If you want to bring, like, your little fire pits, and we're going to have some, some s'mores and stuff for people. We're going to have popcorn, uh, some music, and different things to make it fun for everybody. But please come, bring your car, be a blessing to our neighborhood, that the kids that come here will not be disappointed and take their anger out at Dwight next Wednesday. That would be good. So Trunk or Treat, this Wednesday, 6 o'clock, wonderful outreach opportunity. Uh, and then we do have some activities Thursday night as well in the FLC. All right, let's go. Elf Karen, you ready? She's ready. There's a hat. Come on up. <laughs> I was like, she didn't have her hat. There, here. You do that okay. so well. <coughs> Merry Christmas. It's Merry Christmas. Oh, that's good. It's Operation Christmas Child Time. Declare his glory among the nations, says Psalms 96.3. I have some very important dates and numbers for you to remember. November the 4th, next Sunday, right after this service, we will gather in the Family Life Center to pack 200 plastic shoeboxes. Elf helpers will already have placed the thousands of items on the tables. Please let me know if you would like to be one of those helpers. The packing party folks will simply lovingly, thoughtfully, and prayerfully pack each box. For boys and girls, ages 2 to 4, 5 to 9, and 10 to 14. Some of us will pack right after the service and eat later. Some of you may want to bring a snack lunch and eat before you pack. The important thing is for many of you to be present. There is a job for every age. We need those who just want to sit to label and rubber band the boxes. We need the strong to haul the finished boxes to the sanctuary. And then all of us in-betweeners. Whether you have time to pack two boxes or pack ten, you are needed. October has been the month we asked for contributions for the shipping of these 200 shoe boxes. You may continue to make those contributions 
directly to Mechanicsville Baptist Church with the notation, Operation Christmas Child Shipping. November 18, Sunday before Thanksgiving, that fun Sunday where we only have this 11 o'clock service and then we have lunch, that is the final day. You can bring your own packed shoe boxes to the tables right over here. Look how many we've already gathered. Isn't that wonderful? You will find these brochures in the foyer and in the Family Life Center. Gives you ideas for your boxes, gives you an envelope to place your $9 shipping donation, and it gives you the label that you tape securely on the top of your box. You may choose to use a plastic box. We hear from missionaries that they are well appreciated and, and used well after they've taken the things out. You may choose to get them from Operation Christmas Child. You may choose to get a shoebox out of your closet, wrap it so that lid comes off. Um, wrap it, decorate it, make it fun. I love to make my $9 donation online and then print out the packing label with the barcode, still tape it securely on the top, and then I get an email that tells me what country my box went to. That makes my prayers for my child even more specific. Samaritan's Purse President Franklin Graham said, hardly a week passes that we don't hear another story about a soul being saved, a church being planted, or a community being transformed because a shoebox gift opened a door for the gospel. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to share your love with boys and girls around the world. And I'll see you next week. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, so remember next Sunday, our packing t uh, party, and then November 18th, which is our one Sunday school, one 11 o'clock service, and we have the meal uh, day is the final day. So remember those two dates, and I think we're ready. No, we have Robbie. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you. Good morning. Um, on behalf of the stewardship team, we are coming this morning asking you for your prayers uh, the stewardship team has been working the last couple of weeks on the budget for 2019, and we have been meeting with different teams to get their forms submitted, and we've met with uh, our treasurer, and we've met with Gene Dart some. So we're calling this morning for you to pray for us over the next couple of weeks. Two dates, um, Wednesday, November the 14th, we're going to come together as the church to have budget discussion time here in the sanctuary. And then on Wednesday, November the 28th, we will vote on the budget for 2019. So I wanted to get those dates to you this morning. Uh, we will publish them in the Touchstone. Um, I have talked to Alan Atkins, the uh, moderator. So Wednesday, November the 14th, we will have our budget discussion time. And then on Wednesday, November the 28th, we will vote on the budget that evening. So if you could, when you have your daily devotion time, pray for our church, pray for the stewardship team, and pray for these teams that are requesting funds for next year. And uh, let's be in prayer at this time. Thank you. It certainly is great to see all your smiling faces this morning. And I know you're just so anxious and excited to greet everybody else, aren't you? Yes, you are. All right, so but you're going to have your hymnal ready to page 325. We'll be singing in the name of the Lord as our call to worship, but first you'll stand and greet one another.
Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If then, if, so then, if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have as your children to come to gather together and to worship and magnify the name of Jesus. We thank you that you are our treasure, that you are our source of all hope, and that we put all of our trust in you, Lord Jesus. God, as we give you this service, we pray that your Holy Spirit would dwell and that you would have your way as you speak to us through uh, the message, through the songs of worship, and through the readings, and through uh, your Spirit being active and convicting each one of us this day. So God, we give you this service, and we trust you will do great things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, before we sing this morning, there's a couple of little music things that I'd like to bring to your attention. First of all, I want to let you all, we have such a wonderful praise that uh, between Lisa's preschool group and then my children's choir group this morning, we had a total of 18 children. Amen. Isn't that awesome? But that's a lot of kids. <laughs> and we need help especially with the little ones, because, you know, they, they have to go to the bathroom sometimes. So um, we've got some folks in our congregation who help us on Sunday mornings because we lead them from 9 to 9.30. And if you have helped either Lisa or myself or even the GAs and the RAs, would you stand? Because we want people to maybe come to you and say, hey, is it fun? And you're going to say, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so if you, if you, I know there's somebody. Do you see them out there, Lisa? Stand up, stand up if you help. Give them a clap. Tell them, thank you. So we need more. And don't be afraid. It's a lot of fun. So you can see Lisa or myself or any of us who lead those choirs. And then the other thing is the reminder of our dates of, of having Paul Rizeki come. That's um, That Tuesday the 6th is with our praise team band. And the 7th um, will be a time for you to meet him at 5 o'clock right before our dinner time. And so I hope you can come out and meet him, and then he'll say, have dinner, and then he'll work with our adult choir and ensemble a little bit, and then he'll come out Sunday, lead both services, and we're very excited to have him. Then on the 18th will be our vote. So we're very, very excited about that. Now let me ask you a question. Is God worthy of worship? Amen. Then you're going to sing like that, right? Yes. yes. Page three. Let's stand and sing, worthy of worship. Sing it like you mean it. <coughs>
If you turn in your hymnals to page 334, we have our responsive reading, top of page 334, entitled The Spirit of God. And I will do the worship leader. We have sections for men only, women only. And I'm going to say worshipers is everybody as well as the all. So all the darkened portions uh, we'll read all together. Do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? The Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the concerns of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him. In the same way, no one knows the concerns of God except the spirit of God. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, in order to know what has been freely given to us by God. Not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, again, I ask you to take your hymnal, and we're going to sing... Hymn number uh, 657, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And of course, you are going to stand up for Jesus. <laughs> We serve an awesome God, don't we? <clears throat> this week, we've seen some things in the news that just kind of make us step back and go, uh, God, if you're in control, we need you to do a miraculous move out here. We need you to step, step into the midst of your servants. Because this song we just sung really screams out at me about we need to stand up for Jesus. We have people that are willing to stand up for their cause and lay their lives down. If we truly love Jesus, 
we should be standing up for him and what he reflects. John 21, 15 tells a story about how Jesus told Peter after they had had breakfast, he said, Peter, do you love me? <clears throat> Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. That was a watered-down version that we use sometimes out here when we say we love each other. Then Jesus asked him the second time, Peter, do you love me? And I'm sure that cut to the core of the heart. Do you really love me? And Peter began to think, yes, Lord, I truly love you. This week while you're in your prayer closets and when you're at your quiet time, if Jesus was to come down and sit next to you and ask you, do you love me? How would you respond to that? Would it be the watered-down version of, yes, Lord, sure, I love you? Or would it cut to the core of your heart and you say, yes, Lord, I truly love you? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you have given to us this morning. Father, you have allowed us to gather ourselves once again, O Lord, to lift up your name, for you are worthy to be praised, O God. We thank you, Father, for the gift that is being brought to us, O Lord. We ask that the monies and the tithes and the offerings in our time, O Lord, be used for the edifying of your kingdom. Let it be not just used in this building, O God, but let it reach out to the four corners of the world, O Lord, that people may know who you are and they may reach out to love you for who you are also, Jesus. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
announcement didn't make it in the bulletin for this afternoon. At 3 o'clock, we have our Dover Baptist Annual Meeting at Broadus Memorial Church on Pole Green Road. Business session is from 3 to 3.30, and I think we have all our messengers lined up for that. But beginning at 3.30 and continuing until 5 o'clock, they will be packing meals for Rise Against Hunger. And anyone is invited to come if you'd like to participate in that portion of the meeting. You can come to the whole thing. Uh, it just we have uh, seven votes in the uh, meeting. But at Broadus Memorial, uh, beginning at 3.30, they will be packing meals for Rise Against Hunger. So there's a job for everybody to do, and I hope that if you uh, uh, feel so led that you will come and be a part of that uh, time this uh, afternoon. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, as we come before you, we do so recognizing that you are faithful to us, and we have a responsibility to be faithful to you. We're grateful, Father, for this time in this place. We're grateful that we can worship you and praise your name. Listen for a word from you that might have meaning and give to us new purpose and understanding. We're grateful. We pray, Father, for those who are not with us because of illness. For those, Father, who have been hospitalized, who are recuperating at home who are facing uncertain days because of health diagnosis. We give them to you and pray that you bless and encourage and bring to them healing and hope. We're grateful, Father, that as we gather here, we do so with the full assurance that you are present with us and that because you are present with us, we can rejoice. For our missionaries, in this country and around the world, we pray. We pray, Father, for their safety. We pray that their needs would be met as they minister in the name of Jesus. They go, Father, where we do not go. And yet we pray and we send resources. And we hope, Father, that your word presses through. We pray, Father, for those who have been devastated by yet another attack. For those worshipers, Father, in the synagogue, we pray that you will be with their families as they try to put together and pick up the pieces once again. For the law enforcement officers who were injured, we pray for their recovery. And we're thankful, Father, for those who are willing to put their lives on the line to protect us. Bless them and bless their families. Father, as we continue in this time together and open your word, may we listen with ears of understanding so that we might hear your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. What greater privilege, what greater honor is there for us to love our God, a God who is with us every step of the way, who gives us the wind and the rain and everything we need to love our God.
you, Brenda, for being an accompanist today and providing music for us. Always appreciate your visits. Thankful that you're here. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45, under the heading, Living in a Haunted House. Good Sunday for that as we prepare for trunk or treat on Wednesday. Please come. I'm coming as myself, a fat Baptist minister, okay? So you come as you want to come, but that's how I'm coming, and I'll have candy to hand out that which I don't eat. Okay, no, I, I won't. But come as you are, and we will tell you what you are. No, no, better not, better not do that either, right? Verse 43 of chapter 12, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So shall it also be with this wicked generation. In his book, Yes is a Word, James S. Angel tells of the ride through Disneyland's haunted house. Many of us have been to Disney World and ridden the Haunted House ride at Disney World, but not necessarily at Disneyland. At one place, we know that there is a mirror that you pass by. As the fun seekers look into the mirror, they are startled to discover that they are not alone. There is another ghostly occupant with them. And it scared my sister-in-law to death. It is though they are actually in a haunted house. Many of us remember the haunted house of our childhood. It seems that every community had its haunted house. Scary stories were told about it. And the children played games of getting close to it, but not actually entering it. Haunted houses have always had a way of stirring up our imaginations and frightening us. Jesus told us an interesting parable about a haunted house. The application of the parable focused on good and evil. If you want to reform it, it is not enough to rid yourself of evil. You must also fill yourself with goodness. Otherwise, the evil will not only come back, but it will increase. Using the house metaphor then, we see it is not enough to empty the house of evil, for then it will be haunted. We must pack the house to the rafters with God. This is the way to destroy haunted houses. But here is today's question. How many people live in haunted houses even now? The immediate reference in our scripture passage of this warning given may be against undue interest in exorcisms, healings, and other benefactions. It is not enough simply to expel the demons or remove physical ailments like blindness. God must dwell in one, making him God's temple. It is not enough to receive God's outward gifts. One must receive him. We know that Jesus spoke of this often. When he would heal, many times he would forgive sins before he healed. Because he understood that the healing was not enough. 
There must be an inward change to the person as well as an outward change for him to understand what God had done for him. Many of us do live in haunted houses. It's a sad truth, but a truth nonetheless. Our individual lives and our family lives are empty. So let us take this parable of Jesus and apply it to us, to the family and to the home. But what does it exactly mean to live in a haunted house? First, you live in a haunted house when you try to be neutral about religion. This parable teaches that there is no neutrality in life. The evil spirit was driven out, if you read the parable. But nothing else was added. Empty houses never remain empty. Dust gathers in the corners, rats gnaw at the floorboards, and ghosts slam the doors. We have always been taught that nature abhors a vacuum. Something will occupy the space. Whether it's dust, whether it's spiders, whatever it may be, something will dwell in the empty house. Particularly, there is no neutrality about faith. You sometimes hear about people who try to be neutral about religion. They do not want to force their children to go to church. They do not want to influence them toward any particular expression of faith. Usually this is accompanied by a story of how they were forced to go to church when they were young and how they reacted against it. Of course, this approach actually teaches against the church and God. If you're not coming to church, then you're not teaching the church. If you're not coming to church, you're telling them that it's okay not to be here. It is an undisciplined, godless life. There is no neutrality when it comes to faith. Either one accepts and serves God or rejects and opposes God. We know this from Scripture as well. We are told in the Scripture that God does not bless neutrality in faith. We are either with him or against him. Some years ago, the New York City Youth Board did a study related to juvenile crime. They sent experts into the homes of about 500 six-year-old boys. These social workers and psychologists tried to make an estimate of the potential of each of these young people. The basis for their estimate was the family life in the home. The style of supervision attendance at church services and other religious training, and the type of discipline. The children from homes deficient in these qualities were forecast as potential delinquents. Children from homes of good parental attention and basic religious training were forecast as potential good citizens. The record of these children were then watched for 10 years. The experts found that by the time the children without supervisory structure from the parents and the church had reached 16 years of age, 85% of them were in serious trouble with the authorities and many of them were repeat offenders. On the other hand, 95% of the children from the homes that provided training and discipline and religious life could be described as good citizens. The predictive value of this variable is utterly amazing. It does make a difference what you put in your children's lives. It does make a difference what you put in your life. And that's what this parable is about. You know, the world will fill your life up if you allow it to with bad things. There are always people who are looking to fill the voids in their lives and they look in the wrong direction. They look to the things that bring them instantaneous comfort. They look to the things that give self-gratification now. And they fill their lives with things that leave them empty like the house, like the man that Jesus was talking about. Second, you live in a haunted house when you are only negative in spirit. Some goodness is only a negative goodness. The house of which Jesus spoke was only negatively good. It was swept. It was clean. If you walked into it, it would look like a normal house other than the fact that it was empty of life. The evil spirit had been swept out, but nothing good had replaced it. Many people practice a negative goodness. It consists only of the command, do not. The Pharisees were good, but they were, positively, they were not positively moving to bring about goodness. 
Once a man defined Puritanism as the haunting fear that someone somewhere may be happy. Look for good in attitude. What has been said and done positively in your home even this week? The one thing children need from their parents and what we all need is love. Is love the overriding attitude toward your children? Have you, particularly you fathers, given your children enough time to let them see your attitudes? Attitudes, good attitudes matter. Second, look for good in the home. What has been emphasized in your home? Some homes put the emphasis totally on what a person is not, on what a person has not done. What about a positive emphasis on what the person is and what he or she has done? Have you ever fallen into that trap with your spouse where you've done something that you thought was just spectacular and they point out to you the one thing you didn't do? It happens to me all the time. It may happen to you as well. You think you've done something spectacular. But no. They have one more thing that you were supposed to have done. We must look for good in our homes, in our attitudes. We often emphasize what is not being done as opposed to what is being done. Much can be accomplished by positive goodness. The positive goodness that gives a positive witness can accomplish much. We must learn to be positive people. We think negatively and we have been taught to think negatively by our own medias. All of the things that we see and all the things that we hear always constantly are filling our lives with negativity. Because negativity seems to sell, doesn't it? Good things don't matter to a lot of people. There's a lot of good that goes on that we never see. This past uh, week at Eagle Irie, I was uh, teaching a class on why bad things happen to good people. And one of the things that uh, I said to them in the class was that, uh, can God intervene? Yes, God can intervene. But when God intervenes, most of the time we don't know it, do we? Because nothing bad happened. So how many times does God intervene? We have no idea, do we? No idea. But we concentrate on those times that he did not intervene and terrible things happen to people. God can do what God chooses to do. The evil in the world was brought into the world by us, not by God. Because when he created, what did he say? It was good. Every day he said, it's good. And who made it bad? The choice that Adam and Eve made is what caused the fall and what caused things that were good defined by God to become bad. So never blame God for evil. We must blame ourselves. But God has found a way to redeem us. And that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. A boy on a cross-country motorcycle trip returned home to tell his parents that his most impressive experience was the night he had spent in a country home in the Midwest. Caught in a rainstorm, he had stopped at a farmhouse to ask if he could spend the night in their barn. Instead, they invited him him to spend the night with them. You know how hard that would have been in this day and time? I'm not going to let a stranger in my house. At the breakfast table the next morning, the family read the Bible together and prayed for him by name. That positive witness was the most impressive experience of his trip across the nation. Now you think about that. All of the things that you can see, all of the things that you can experience on a cross-country trip in this country, and the one thing that mattered to this person was the interaction he had with a family. Personal contact. Third, you live in a haunted house when your life is empty. Houses, while filled, can still be empty. The life Jesus mentioned in the parable was empty, terribly empty. A lot of houses that are filled with fine furniture, costly antiques, matching sets, color-coordinated rooms can be terribly empty. They can be empty of love, of mutual concern, of kindness, of Christian teaching, of acceptance, of trust and confidence. And this is the worst kind of emptiness. Have you ever been in a house where you're afraid to sit down? Because you're afraid you're just too dirty to do it when you see what's around you? I don't ever want to be 
or have my house to be like that. If I can't live in it, I don't want to. In this case, we see that what Jesus is saying is, you need to live in the house that I have given you and allow me to live there with you. A home or life without Christ is hopelessly empty. Mrs. Ethel DuPont Warren was once described by artist Dan Flowers as the most beautiful and eligible woman in the United States. As the oldest child of Eugene DuPont, she was the heiress of one of the world's largest fortunes. Her subsequent marriage to Franklin D. Roosevelt Jr. was one of the great society events of the century. However, at the age of 49, she hanged herself from the bathroom shower fixture by the belt of her bathrobe. I went back and researched to make sure I was telling you correctly. Beauty, fame, fortune, social prestige, and everything else did not meet the longing of her heart. A life without Christ is empty. Hopelessly empty. It does not matter. All of the people that played the lottery these past few weeks just put lots of money into the coffers of Virginia's lottery. I saw that to the tune of 14 to 16 million dollars. All the dreams that people had of what they could do with all of that money and all of that uh, fortune that they might gain from that. The one thing that money could never do is buy you the happiness that comes in a life devoted to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you. Something like that can ruin people and it does ruin people because they don't know what to do with something that fell into their laps, much like a lightning bolt. This passage applied more widely. The judgment falls upon Israel for her great attention to reforms in which her house was outwardly swept and put in order but left empty. Since the time of Ezra, Ezra, Israel had given attention to the law, working out an elaborate system to govern every situation in life. Nothing was left to chance. There was a rule for everything, for home, for business, for worship, for dress, for diet, and on and on. But with all the attention to the things of religion and life, the greatest neglect was in terms of the personal. Old gods had been banned and there was no more outward, outward idolatry as before the exile. Baal and other such gods were no longer a threat to Israel, but new gods had moved in worse than the old ones. Mammon, pride, provincialism, Sabbath, fasting, purification rites and the like. These gods are more subtle and more dangerous than the crude outward gods of paganism because they seem on the surface to be right. There was an old house, house which sat empty because its owner lived in a houseboat. He didn't maintain his old residence at all, so the bushes and trees grew up around it in a fast phase. Everybody in the neighborhood knew the house was unoccupied, and very soon it became a hangout for drug addicts, vandals, and other derelicts who broke into the house. The empty house uses this very same scenario to describe what happens to a man or a woman who is in an empty house. We know what happens to empty houses. We've seen the news, haven't we? We've seen what's happened. Every house that burned this past summer in Petersburg that was reported on the news in that, uh, in that framework was an empty house, wasn't it? An empty house. Neglected. The story of the return of the evil spirit serves as a perpetual warning to all Christians and highlights the importance of allowing Jesus to fill our life. What was the problem with that house? The problem was that it was left empty. It was swept clean and put in order, yes, but it was empty. Once we have been set free from the power of Satan, we must never allow ourselves to be left empty. We must let the Spirit of God fill us completely to the rafters. And the evidence of this filling is that Jesus is Lord in our life. He has control of our life. Remember what David said in the Psalms. He fills my cup till it runs over. Our passage ends with these chilling words. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. 
This is what is going to happen with this wicked generation. This is what is going to happen to the person who wants a Christianity that does not involve the kingship of Christ in his life. A person may be swept from the filth of sin and garnished with the pain of religion, but at the same time his soul is empty of Christ. The house is unoccupied when the faith in Jesus is superficial with no real commitment to Him. The unclean spirit has left for a time, but when He returns, He finds that Christ is not there to shut Him out. That is when the last state of the man becomes worse than the first. He never filled his life with Christ. The scripture shows on many occasions that the human being is thought of as a house. A house which is either going to be the house of God or the house of the devil. We are either going to be the temple of God or we're going to be the house of the unclean spirits. In other words, there are only two possible situations. We live under God's power or we live under the power of Satan. Whoever owns the house is, of course, the person who runs the house. He has authority over its property. My house doesn't tell me what to do. I do with the house what I choose to do. So the question becomes like this. Who controls your life? Who runs your life? Is it God or is it Satan? In this world, nobody is master and lord of himself. Let us be clear about that. So who has authority over your life, God or Satan? Remember that there is no neutral ground between the two. Being good is not good enough. The spiritual reality is that every heart is the residence of unclean spirits except those who are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked a lot about houses, didn't he? He talked about the house built on the sand and the house built on the rock. And he told us what happened when the storms came, didn't he? And the wind blew and the waves crashed against them and the house on the rock stood firm and the house in the sand washed away because it was filled with the wrong things and sat on the wrong foundation. According to an old legend, a man became lost in his travels and wandered into a bed of quicksand. Confucius saw the man's predicament and said, it is evident that men should stay out of places such as this. That was helpful. Next, Buddha observed the situation and said, let this man's plight be a lesson to the rest of the world. Then Muhammad came by and said to the sinking man, alas, it is the will of God. Finally, Jesus appeared. And Jesus said, take my hand, brother, and I will save you. We can fill our houses with the wrong kind of religion. With the wrong spirits. And it will be worse than the state of it before. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by the world and what it would say to you about what is and is not correct. Because the world and the master of this world, Satan, wants to keep us confused. Wants to keep our houses as if we think they are clean. But are filled with the wrong thing. We've been talking about empty haunted houses. Is there any way to change? The answer is to fill life with something positive. The ultimate positive element is Christ. We need to fill our houses with Christ and seek His will as a family. And when we do that, we will understand what it means to live in fellowship with Christ. What is your house filled with? Is it empty? Are you waiting for it to be filled by things that you cannot define? Because I'll tell you, there's something out there that will define what goes into your house. And that something is evil. And the only way to overcome it is to fill your house to the rafters with the Spirit of God. Shall we pray? Father, we are thankful for this warning from our Lord and Savior. He has shown us clearly the dangers of living empty lives. May we, Father, trust Him and be obedient to His will 
and fill our houses with Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 500, Trust and Obey. It takes trust to open the doors of our human houses and allow Christ in. He wants us to trust Him and be obedient to Him so that our lives will be filled with His goodness. Will you stand as we sing? It's essential to all that we do. This past week, Larry, one of the, uh, uh, the speaker, Don Davins, who's pastor of First Alexandria, I've known Don for years, told something that was quite profound, I thought, about uh, how we need to learn to trust. Uh, all of us drive cars for the most part, right? And our cars have headlights, don't they? And if they don't, you got a problem, okay, right? But what he said was, you can turn your headlights on, and see 300 feet ahead of you and drive all the way across the country only seeing 300 feet ahead of you or whatever the beam may go out, right? And we trust them. We trust those lights to get us wherever that might be. And we just see a little bit at the time. I'm glad God doesn't show us everything. I don't think we could stand it. But we can trust Him as we walk each day in obedience to him. So I wanted to share that thought with you. If you don't get anything else, you got that today, right? So 
Uh, I'm grateful for our time together. Don't forget this afternoon, if you're interested, 3 to 5, Broadus Memorial, Pole Green Road. Um, don't forget about Trunk or Treat. Again, we, if you decorate, that's great. Uh, if you don't, we still need you because we want to be an outreach to the community. And that's one way we can do that. And that's saying, you come to us. That doesn't happen very often, but they'll come for that. So we want you to come and be a part of that if you can. Be nice to see the parking lot filled. I've already bought my candy, so I'm ready to go. Buy your candy. There's probably coupons. They're re reduced prices. I know that because Halloween is upon us. So uh, go to Kroger. Candy's cheap. Okay. Let's bow for benediction. Gracious Lord, we're grateful that as we depart on this day, we do so with the full assurance that you go with us. Help us, Father, to fill our lives with your presence so that that might spill over into the lives of others so that others could see you in us. Bless us, Father, as we depart today, knowing, Father, that we go by your grace. And it's through your mercy and love that we are even here this very moment. We make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.